0: Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's with podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Come on, y'all go ahead and take your seat. Take your seat. What's well, good to be gathered with the people of God this morning. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives sins and who's able to heal us. It is good to be gathered with the people of God in the place of God. This is a place where Paul tells Timothy, this is the pillar ground in truth. It's the place where we get together as the body and be the body and be able to give God glory. Do you realize that's the only reason that we've gathered in this room is to give God glory? Look, you cute today. Somebody said, thank you. <laughs> You look nice today, but we're not here for you. We're here to see Jesus high and lifted up. That's the one goal of this service today is to make sure that he's getting the glory and he's getting the honor and he's getting the praise. We come to celebrate the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Am I alone in in, in in that desire? Is anybody else in here to celebrate the person and the work of Jesus Christ? Amen. Well, it is certainly good to be here. Each new day that the Lord gives us is a gift from the Lord. It is grace. I love the way Jeremiah was saying it. The mercies of the Lord are renewed day after day after day. And I'm just grateful that God has been so good to give us another day. There, there's an old song. I ain't singing it, but there's an old, old song that says, One more day. Thank you, Lord. I am just want to thank you. That's why we're here, to thank the Lord for his faithfulness and his consistent um, his consistent mercies in our life. Look, let's get to the word of God, you guys. I'm, I'm excited to preach. I'm a little eager. Do me a favor, go back to the Old Testament. Go to the book of 2 Kings. If you have to go to the table of contents, please do so. Ain't no, no shade at all. Go to the table of contents. You'll find 2 Kings, I think it's the 12th book, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel. Then you'll see First and 2 Kings is where we're going to hang out today. Uh, Man, we should be celebrating today. We just came off of a week-long fast. Amen. And we kicked it off on Monday. And Monday at 6 a.m. And we, 152 people, joined a prayer call on Monday morning at 6 a.m., which is crazy. Some of y'all were, some of y'all, I saw y'all cameras was on. Y'all was in the streets on your way to work. Some people were on the train. That's some good reception where you could just be on the call on the train. And they, you know, I saw some of y'all on the train. Some of y'all had your cameras off, so I'm assuming that you were sleep. But it ain't, ain't no shade. You got on, you got on so that the prayers, um, so that the prayers could hit you while you sleep. But then Tuesday, Tuesday we uh, we got together in this room. We did a prayer service, and it was amazing, man. It, it I was so encouraged by so many of you. And I don't know if everybody's in the room that prayed, but. Uh, those of you who stepped up in boldness—it was very intimate—but those of you who stepped up in boldness and got the mics and prayed, um, I was very encouraged. I told Jate—I don't know if she's in here—but I told Jate how encouraged I was. Um, Jatai, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Huh? No, Jate. Jate. Jate is who I'm talking about. And and she, you know, I was very encouraged. She was saying that she was, um, that she was, you know, she has social anxiety, but to get up and pray in front of a room. It's little stuff like that that encourages your boy. And I'm, I'm just grateful for, um, for a church that loves fasting and a church that loves to pray together. Then Wednesday, our small groups got together. We were upstairs. It was pockets of uh, small groups of stairs. And then on Thursday, we had clusters, what we like to call clusters around the city of discipleship groups. And if you're not in a discipleship group, it's a good time to top of the year, good time to get into it. Uh, none of us should be walking alone but there's a reason why Jesus walked with 12. He walked with three a little bit more close, uh, Peter, James, and John. And then there was 120 in the upper room. There's a reason why Jesus had disciples because discipleship is important and I pray that you guys will get connected in discipleship. So that's what happened Thursday. And then Friday, we broke the fast with some good, good soul food. And and some, um, had a good time of game time upstairs. Shout out to the community life team. Let's thank God for them, y'all. I'm looking around. I can't see him, but Chris and his leadership over our community life team and um, everybody that serve uh, Z and um, Delicia and Destiny and people who serve food. And I saw people bringing chairs upstairs. If you served in any way, we are, we are genuinely grateful for you. So, uh, Meg, I'm so happy. To, seriously, I'm so happy to pastor a church that fast and praise. Don't act like that's normal, y'all. That ain't normal, but um, praise God that we go to a church that does that. Hey, listen, Jeremiah. I don't know if he's in here. He might have. He might have went upstairs because th- there's no seats. But Jeremiah, who does worship, um, this is his last time doing worship with us for a while. He will. He will be. He has a another thing that he's doing for the next at least six months, and so we won't see him. Um, how many enjoy Jeremiah jumping around, leading us in worship? Where's he at? He's upstairs. But we are, we are grateful for Jeremiah and just pray nothing but blessings over him. I actually have been praying, Lord, break up that six months. Bring him back in a few. <laughs> give him two. Like, two's enough. Bring him on back. But, uh, man, we, we love Jeremiah. He's always been so uh, helpful at restoring our our worship here at, a, at the church. And Chris is... um. Chris, Lily, and Valerie are out, are out on maternity slash paternity leave. And so Jeremiah jumped in to, to help out while Chris was out. But I'm grateful for that, brother. All right, let's get into the Word of God today. Y'all got your Bibles? Y'all there? Yeah. Our devices? Whatever y'all got all right. let's Let's get to it. Uh, first, 2 Kings. 2 Kings, if you're there, go to chapter 6. If y'all there, just say, I'm there, B. All right, look at verse number... Number eight, I've been saying this over and over again, but I really want you guys to pay attention to every word. Pay attention to some phrases, pay attention to the theme, what we would like to call melodic lines, things that reoccur. Just pay attention to those things. Verse eight, once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants saying, at such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. Verse 11, and the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because this thing And because of this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet, is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. That's powerful. Please underline that, that, that verse number 12. Verse 13. And he said, go and see where he is. That I may send and seize him. And I was told and, and it was told to him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning, he went out, and behold, the army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he, meaning Elisha, said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire around Elisha. I want to pray today. I preach today. Based really based on the song that we were just singing, I want to preach today from the topic entitled "Open Our Eyes." Let's look to the Lord before we uh, before we dig in, Father. Speaking of open our eyes, Lord, I, I do pray over our entire congregation today and those that are online. I pray Psalm one nineteen over us. Open our eyes that we may behold the wondrous things out of Your law. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Open our eyes. Just by a quick show of hands, just because I, I kind of want to see if this is going to land well or not. How, how many of you are, are anime fans? If you're an anime fan, come on in the room. Come on in the room. I see anime fans all over the place. When I was growing up, anime was just weird. If you were an anime fan, you were a weird person. But now, you are But now anime is like is like the thing, is, is cool. I was talking to Renique about this uh, on Friday. She had on a, a Dragon Ball Z Uh, shirt old anime it's 90s anime but earlier this week i was passing by my youngest son who's in here jeremy i was passing by his his uh his room and he had his door closed and on his door he has a he has an image a picture uh of a of a character anime character and i was like man this is cool i want to know who this is because i watched a few animes with him they just the episodes it's just too many episodes so i get lost after a while but i try to watch some of it with him and Um, So I was trying to figure out who that character was so I asked him I was like Jeremy, man, this is cool Who's who's the character and he popped off three different anime characters? I don't know if I'm gonna say this right, but Naruto, Sasu, 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 it's not Naruto? Say it for me Naruto All right, Naruto, Sasuke Sasuke and, and Kakashi Kakashi, okay, so he, he popped up those three names. Now, I'm not surprised that he had anime on his, on, on his door because he, he likes anime. I get it. In fact, on Christmas, the only thing he wanted for Christmas was a sword. So we got him a sword. We, I think he thinks he's an anime character. I told you, anime fans are weird. I tried to tell y'all. He's a little weird. You're a little weird. It's all right. So, he, so he, we bought him a sword. You know, he's he like, don't give me no flimsy sword. I want a real, I want a sharp, I want a real sword. I'm like, this guy's going to cut his hand off. So we, we gave in, we got him a sword. Last night I was cutting up a watermelon. He come down to tears with his sword like, I'll cut it up for you. I'm like, I'm good though. So I'm not surprised that he has this anime image on his door. What I am surprised at is that he gave me three different names because I only saw one face. When I looked at the image, there was only one face that I saw. and He's like, no, 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 no. You got to change your angle. You got to look differently. If you look at it differently, if the light hits it differently, if you kind of turn around, you, you, you you see me, you see where I'm going? You start to see different images. You start to see all three characters. Now, I hate those things. They're actually called lenticular images. I don't like them because I never see what everybody else sees. I mean, I still have only seen two faces. I'm working on that third one. But let me get out of anime for a second and kind of get into your life for a second. I I really think that the same is true of our lives. I think many of us look at the situation that is before us and I wonder if the situation is lenticular. I wonder if the situation is deeper and multifaceted. I wonder if you look at it with your natural eye, it seems like a mountain, but if you look at it through the lens of your spiritual eyes, I wonder if you see something completely different. Do you realize that your heart actually has eyes? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, having the eyes of their heart enlightened, that you may know the hope in which he has called you. The scriptures are very clear that God gives his believers, those of you who have trusted in Jesus, he gives us special insight. Now, yeah, you can look at a situation with your natural eyes and you can be full of anxiety, but if you look at it spiritually, I wonder if you can start to see God in it. And most of the time, this works in retrospect. I don't know if y'all are waiting for a specific spot to say amen, but I feel like I'm dropping some stuff already. (laughs) And it's been quiet. But some, thank you. But, some, but sometimes, sometimes I think we can appreciate what God is doing in the situation when we look in retrospect. But God has given every single one of us the Holy Spirit inside of us. And inside of us, having the Holy Spirit means that you have insight. Somebody say insight. You, you have an awareness that nobody else has. You have something that's called open eyes. And I wonder this year if our year would be better if we started to look at the situations that are before us with a different perspective. If we sat like I sat at my son's room and for 20 minutes and just stare at this. I wonder if you stared at your situation if you would start to see what God is doing. Now, let me give a quick context. Because this this is a passage that honestly is not very familiar. there's a few people that probably would know this passage. but if we did a poll, most people didn't wouldn't have known this passage. This is actually a very um, unfamiliar passage and not only in the scripture but historically it's hard to pinpoint this passage it's just i'll I'll show you why in a little bit but there's really two reasons i'll tell you one in a second but one of the reasons why it's hard is because the writer says stuff like look at verse number eight he uh, yeah yeah verse number eight at the end of it he says at such and such a place he doesn't if he actually give a location and so it's like hard to pinpoint how many would say you've never heard this story before just be honest come on honesty honesty there's there's a lot of us earlier this week i went to ty i was like baby Listen to this, and I'm just reading the story to her because it was so profound. It's one of those stories that you could read and miss it. But there's so much depth in the story. In the story, the Bible says that Israel is no surprise at war again. But this time they are at war because there's an invading army. And the army that is trying to invade in Israel right now is not the Babylonians, it's not the Persians, it's not the Chaldeans, it's not the Hittites, but it's the Syrians. And what's so interesting about the Syrians trying to invade uh, Israel is they're sending small attacks. And so what the king of Syria does is in his private meetings with his servants, he says, here's the plan. This is what we're going to do. But he doesn't know that every time he talks in private, God eavesdrops and then God goes and tells Elisha. And then Elisha gets the intel and Elisha takes it back to the king of Israel and the king of Israel sends people there and so they're already waiting for the surprise. By the way, this is insight. This is, this is open eyes. This is what, This is the kind of stuff that God does. And so every secret mission that the king of Israel tried to do was it fully exposed, which is so dope to me. You know, Elisha doesn't know what is going on right now because he's actually in the room. Elisha knows what's going on right now because his God is mighty. Okay, let, let's get in the text. I'm gonna read this real fast. I, those of you who are online, please just keep up, t- uh, tech team. I'm gonna say these real fast. Watch the words for a second. I'm gonna kind of jump around real quick. Verse eight, once when the, watch this, king of Syria, Jump down to verse 9. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Jump down to verse 10. And the king of Israel. Jump down to verse 11. The king of Syria. Look at verse 11. His servants, meaning the servants of the king of Syria. Look at verse uh, 12. The king of Israel. Look at verse 15. Uh, When the servant of the man of God, or if you have a Pentecostal persuasion, the man of God... Did you notice something in every single verse that I just read that you didn't get one name? Did, did you peep that? Not one name. Look, look, look at all of what I just said. The king of Syria. You don't know who the king of Syria is by name. The king of Israel. This is why I said it's hard to pinpoint the history of this, of this battle right now. Why is it hard? Because you don't even know who was king on either army. So then there's the king of Israel. You don't get to know his name. Then there's the servants to the, to the Syrian king. You don't know their names. Then there's the servant to Elisha, the man of God. You don't know their names. It is almost as though the writer is trying to suggest to you and I this morning that the story has less to do with human beings and has more to do with God. Oh, don't you miss this? If you read this story and be like, yo, Elisha is killing it, you've missed it. Because this story is about God. Now, I know what you're doing right now. You him, you're judging me going, Pastor being he ain't read Elisha's name. Elisha's name is in there. But every time Elisha is named, except for one time, he's given two different titles. It's Elisha the prophet, which means Elisha is just a mouthpiece for God. That still goes back to God. And then it calls him three times in verse number nine, in verse number 10, in verse number 15, the man of God. What is dominating through this story is the greatness of God, the knowledge of God, the sovereignty of God, the power of God and may I suggest to you that I don't want you to read this story and not see God but more broader than that I don't want you to read the scriptures and not see God because I know what we do we read stories and we put ourselves in the place of the hero We read stories and we write in our journal, I'm I'm David, I'm killing my, you know, I'm slaying my giants. But at the end of the day, every single story is about God. All 66 books, 1189 chapters are all about the person and the work of Jesus Christ who exposed us to this invisible God. Can I go to Colossians real quick? It tells me that in verse 15, Colossians 1, that Jesus is the image of the invisible. God, everything you want to know about God the Father, we look at Jesus. And so the text today shows me God. Let me go a little bit more broader. Not only does all scripture point to God, but the center of your life needs to be God. We've made the center of our lives so many other things. Our relationships is at at the center. Our our, our spouses are at the center. Our jobs are at the center. And God is like, yo, I don't play second fiddle. I I don't sit in the back seat. I want to be central to your life. This story is about God. Our lives should be about God. The Bible is about God. I'm grateful for David. I'm grateful for Paul. I'm grateful for Moses. I'm grateful for Esther. I'm grateful for Ruth. I'm grateful for Peter. I'm even grateful for the Virgin Mary, but don't you get it twisted. I'm grateful for God because the scripture today is about God. You know, one of the things I foolishly do sometimes is, I have been preaching for a while and I still do this. I preach about God and I have a foolish assumption that everybody in the room knows the God I'm talking about. I do it all the time, and I don't know why. In the first service, I walked in, and I audibly heard the voice of God say, you better explain who I am today. Don't don't just say I'm the center of the scriptures. I get that, but you better tell people how I'm the center of scripture. When you look at this story, there's two dominating characteristics about God. that are glaringly, like they're up front in your face. And here's some deep words, but please write these down. The first one is, our God in the text today is omniscient. Somebody say omniscient. Now, when you write that one down, spell it right. You might got to Google that one. But our God is omniscient. Omniscient simply means he knows all things. That means he holds all wisdom. The reason that God knew, the reason that Elisha knew what was happening in the king of Syria private meetings is because God was in the room. And because God is in the room, that means God is all-knowing. Look at verse 12. It says, Elisha tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom, a.k.a. in private. And so Elisha gets straight intel from God because God is omniscient. He knows everything. And this scares me but also brings me joy. It scares your boy because I'm like, oh, he know that. Anybody else thinking like that? Like, Dad, I can't, yo, he know. thank you. He knows that and he, he knows that. He, he remembers that. Like, I'm, that, that shakes me to the core, but it brings me joy because he knows that and still chose you. Oh, come on in here. He knows that and still says, that's mine. That's my son. That's, that's my daughter. That, that, that's my servant. That's my son. And I'm grateful that God knows me and doesn't put me to the side, but he knows me and still chooses me. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. There's nothing he doesn't know. In this story, you did not read a verse where Elisha bugged the king of Syria's room. In fact, man, think about this. It took 2,500 years later to figure out how to bug a room. Our U.S. intelligence took them two and a half millenniums later to figure out how to eavesdrop in a room what God did in one second. Our God is omniscient. Our God is all-knowing. Our, our God knows there, there's nothing that gets around him. There is no wool that is pulled over his eyes. He knows all things at all times. He doesn't just know your actions. This going to mess you up. He knows your thoughts. He, he knows, he, he knows the, the intuitions. He knows when we do good with wrong intention, which is just as wrong. He knows everything is laid bare before the Lord. Somebody say he's omniscient. He's not just omniscient in the text by knowing what the king of Syria is talking about, but it is very clear to me that the God that Israel serves, which is the God that we serve, is omnipotent. Somebody say omnipotent. Omnipotent is different than omniscience. Omniscience means he's all-knowing and, 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 and he there's, he's, has all wisdom. Omnipotence means he has unlimited power. So not only does the God that you serve know all things, he knows what to do with all things. That means the situation that is before the king of Israel right now, the situation that is before Elijah right now, the situation that is before the servant of Elisha right now is a piece of cake for our God. It's a walk in the park for our God. And some of you in here right now, for just for a second, get on your mind that one thing that brings you anxiety. We all got it. Get on your, one mind, your, your mind right now that one thing that makes you nervous. Every time you think about it, you cringe in your stomach. You can't sleep. You think about it all the time. Do you know God has the ability in his omnipotence to bring that thing to its knees? Because our God is all powerful. Now, here's the thing. You thought about something, but do you realize whatever you thought about pales into comparison to what Elisha is going through right now? I mean, unless you woke up this morning, you got the king the king's army surrounded around your apartment and they're all looking to kill you, unless you had that type of threat to your life, what you're dealing with right now pales into comparison. But even Elisha, I'm so baffled that Elisha is so cool, calm, and collective. The servant is like, oh my God, man of God, what are we gonna do? There's, a, there's an army outside and Elisha is chill. The reason he's chill because his God is omniscient. The reason he's chill is because his God is omnipotent. His God has all power. And th- those, are things that, those are things that should bring us chill as well. Those are things that should calm our fears as well. That there is no man that is mightier than God. That there is no nation that is mightier than God. That there is no situation that you are dealing with right now that is mightier than God. He breaks and bends whatever he wants to break and bend. Which means if you're still in it, that means he wants you to be in it. There's something he's still doing. I know y'all are like, uh-uh, Pastor B, I need one of them churches that's going to say my, you know, my season cometh now and tomorrow we're going to be. But sometimes he wants you to sit in it because we're undone. Because we're undone. And he's molding and he's, he's making you have patience and he's helping you with endurance. He's helping you to see him differently. So our God is all powerful. And if I'm in it, God, get your glory out of it. But take me out at some point. Take me out at some point. So our God in the text today knows how to take something that is overwhelming for everybody else and calm us down. Why? Because he is omnipotent. No matter how big it is, guys, whatever you're dealing with, however big it feels to you, it's small to God. Can I be clear about that? That thing that seems impossible is nothing for God. That thing that seems overwhelming is nothing for God. The thing that is causing you those sleepless nights is nothing for God. He's omnipotent, not just omnipotent, but Psalm 46 will tell me that he's a very present help in the times of trouble. And so God knows how to swoop in and rescue me when I need to be rescued. Our God is big. Years ago, you know, today we're doing a covenant community class, which is our membership class. We're doing it after the service, but years ago we did a membership class and there was a young lady that was listening to the class and I was talking about the sovereignty of God, which is the bigness of God. Nothing's out of his control. He's in full control. And I'm going through scriptures on how God is sovereign. I'm talking to the class about God's sovereignty. And this young lady, she just felt so, so, so empowered and so bold. And she finally lifted up her hand and said, Pastor B, I got I got a question. If God is all powerful and, and God is so big, should I only go to him for big stuff? Or should I go to him with the small stuff as well, to which I responded, "Will define what's big. You got to tell me something big for God, because I, I just don't know nothing that's big for him. I don't know an obstacle that he can't get through. I don't know a situation he can't break down. So help your boy out. Tell me something big. Because it might be big for you, but do you know what's big for you is nothing for God? It's minute. You know how the dudes in the NBA, when they dunk on somebody and they go like that? Y'all seen that? And they, they, they usually be like, you small. Everything's small to God. Everything's minute to God. And while we're in it, this is why we gotta change our perspective. This is why we gotta ask God to open our eyes because we're, while we're in it, it feels huge. You ever walk around the city? It feels huge. Giant buildings, the concrete, jungle, noises, cars. It seems like chaos. But if you fly into JFK or you fly into LaGuardia and you look down, what do you see? Order, smallness. People look like ants. You know why? Because that's a different perspective. And that's what we need in this room. We need God to open our eyes and give us a different perspective. So in the scripture, it is very clear that there's the servant that needs a different perspective. He needs to see that his God is omnipotent. Somebody just say that for me one more time. He needs to see that his God is big. He needs to know that the God of the scriptures is a God that called into existence something that was nothing. Like, seriously, think about that. Genesis 1 gives me fuel for the rest of the scriptures. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Stop right there, I'm submitting to him. Like seriously, if he can create not just the things that we see, but the unseen realms of the heavens, that God is all powerful. So the God that I serve doesn't just know how to create the universe, but the God I serve heals the sick. The God I I serve brings cancer and dries it up. The The God that I serve opens up Red Seas. The God that I serve opens up dead hearts and, and blinded eyes. He saves sinners. The God that I serve makes water come out of a rock. Who would not serve that God? Can we just for a second lift up a praise to an omnipotent God? A God that got all power. A God that's able to raise up his son from the dead in a tomb and now it's empty. That God I'm going to serve. That God I'm going to serve. You know why I'm going to serve him? Because he knows all things. But not only that, but because... He's a big God that has all power in his hands. No king is named. Syrian king, don't know who he is. Israel's king, don't know who he is. The servants, don't know who any of them are. You know what stands out? The bigness of God. Now what happens here? Look at verse 15 for me. I stayed on that point way too long. Verse 15. It says, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning, he went out and behold, the army of the horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid. Can we pause there? Because I really feel like Elisha is not just calming the fear of his servant. I believe that Elisha is calming the fear of somebody in this room. You don't know so people you sit next to you think you just scooched over and they just said, excuse me Excuse me, excuse me ten times and took a seat. You're just like, oh, you know, they just came to church You don't know what people are dealing with You don't know what kind, type of anxiety and what type of fear and what type of stronghold? You don't know what people need to be brought from you don't know what situation people are dealing with and I just Believe this morning when I got up that there's somebody that came in the room and you are fearful you're handicapped in making decisions you can't move forward with life. If you, if you had it your way, if you, if you had it your way, you would have stayed home with the, with the covers over your head, because you feel so inadequate to go through life because you are gripped by fear. But I just need to know who in the room knows that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There's somebody in this room that is wrestling with fear. And here's what I want today to do do today. I want you to stop trembling. Can we pray for a second? Because I'm telling you, I feel the spirit of fear in the room. Father, I pray for somebody in this room, and I don't know what section they're sitting in, but I know that there's somebody in here that is struggling with fear. And even as I'm reading this passage, they're thinking about their situation and they want to believe. Yet, yeah, God, you are powerful, and God, you are omniscient, and you are all wise. We want to believe it. But, Father, somebody in this room is deeply struggling because they have to face the situation outside. So, Father, what I want you to do, oh God, in the power of your might, is break fear break fear, break the stronghold. Don't let it handicap us. Help us not to be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Father, I pray, oh God, that you would remove the fear. And even if you don't remove the situation, Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would give us a peace that surpasses all understanding because we know that you are a big and mighty God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be free from that fear. Don't let that thing hold you down. Your God is mighty and your God is big. So getting laid off, does not it shouldn't bring fear. It actually should bring an opportunity to see the provision of God. Open your eyes. Getting a bad diagnosis actually shouldn't bring fear. It actually should bring a deeper level of knowing that God is a healer. Open your eyes. Mama, can you give us a testimony on this today? I'm telling you, those bad, those bad reports that you get, we always look at it through a natural eye. But if we look at the spiritual realm, I bet you God got an army uh-huh. surrounded around you, surrounded around the situation. Open your eyes because God is doing something. Notice something else that, that Elisha does here. Elisha tells the young servant in verse 16 do not fear. Verse 17, he busts out in a prayer. Later on, you'll read it again. I'm not sure of exactly what verse it is, but somewhere around verse 18 or 19, he busts out in another prayer. And so what Elisha does is Elisha understands that one of the things that calms my fears is prayer. See, we didn't just do a week of fasting and prayer and fill it up with all types of prayer. We didn't do that just because we wanted to fill time. That should be the rhythms of your life. Do you know that your God wants to talk to you 365 days a year? Y'all know we only sprinkle in the prayers when we need something. God is like, don't just come to me for petitions. Sometimes I just need you to say thank you. I love you. I give you glory. He wants those type of prayers. And here's the thing. You ain't got to think hard to what to be thankful for. If you arrived at a destination, it was God. If you woke up, it was God. If you're breathing, it was God. And so we need to learn to be prayerful because prayer calms anxiety. There's somebody in this week that is trying to pray more this year. In fact, many of you are. I've talked to you. But I I, I really want us to think through, well, how how do I develop a better prayer life this year? Because I really do think it will help with my anxiety. It balances anxiety. That's exactly what Elisha does. He doesn't just say, don't be afraid. He goes to the God of his salvation. And so I'm going to move on here, but Elisha says, don't fear. And then he prays. Now watch what happens when he prays, y'all. Verse 17, y'all still with me? Then Elisha prayed and he said, Oh Lord, please open this young buck's eyes. So the Lord opened his the eyes of the young man and he saw. Here's what he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire was around Elisha. Think about this. When he first woke up, he looked out and all he saw was Syrian army. The Syrian army was surrounded around them. Elisha said, don't be afraid. Elisha prayed. He looked back out and he saw the Syrian army and outside of them, God's army was sitting there waiting. Can you imagine? Like, I think we read stuff like this. We're like, that's a cute story. I really do. I think we read stuff like that and we were like, oh, that that's not a that's a that's a fairy tale, right? That that's not that's not true. That's 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 alternative facts. That's not real. Like we we don't we don't really believe that the scriptures are true, but do you know this is a real situation? And if God knows how to make his army of angels stand around Elisha's house, don't tell me he can't take that army and put it around your situation. Somebody in here is wrestling, there might be an army. That God has encamped around your situation. But here's the thing. You'll never see what God is doing if you don't look with your spiritual eyes. This is why we got to say God. This is why when you were sitting, I wasn't joking. I said, look up to heaven and say, God, open my eyes. Because when he opens your eyes, you then see what others don't see. Our our God knows how to not just open eyes. Do you know our God knows how to open eyes, but he also knows how to cause you to be blind? In the same passage, read the rest of the story. I'm not going to preach it, but the rest of the story is very clear. That yes, in this verse, God opened the eyes of the servant of Elisha. Read a few more verses. Elisha prays again. And he says, now, God, I need you to strike the army with blindness. Everybody in the Syrian army was blind. And you know what he did? After he struck them with blindness, they didn't come out with swords and kill them. Read the story. The Bible says that Elisha, he did, you know, the the, the kid lines when they used to put the the thing on one arm and put it on another arm, put it on another arm, say, everybody walking a line? Read the story. He walked the army back to Syria. And they get back to Syria, and then Elisha prayed again. And he said, now God opened their eyes. And they opened their eyes, and they no longer were at Elisha's house. Now they're back in their homes. And here's what Elisha did. He left, and Syria never tried to attack him again. Why, because God opened up the eyes of the young servant so he can see the army. Now, if they would have in their blindness, tried to buck against God's army, shoot, they could have all types of military equipment. They could have seen with a third eye and still not been able to beat what God had in the mountains. Because God had something special in the mountains. I believe that, I I really do, I really do. I really believe that your situation that feels like it's gonna take you out isn't as bad as you think it is. I believe God, I believe God is working a testimony. I believe God is working something out. So I want you to think of it. And I'm not making light of your situation. I'm really not. I know somebody all in this room are dealing with something real, real heavy. It's not too heavy for God. He lifts the heaviest weights. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to end my time by saying this. You know, I'm talking about opening our eyes. And the whole time, we're all thinking about opening the eyes Our our spiritual eyes to our spiritual situation but the greatest eyes that were open in Scripture was not an awareness to the Syrian army the greatest open eyes in Scripture is when God removed the scales of an unbeliever so that they could see the beauty of Christ and so for some of you when I said sit down and say open open my eyes I wasn't talking about to your situation I wanted you to say that because I wanted God to do something in your heart that you saw Jesus. Because I learned a long time ago when I gave my life to Jesus, when I saw a glimpse of him, everything else was, was paling in comparison. There are some things that you can look at in life and you will be like, yo, I love this thing, man. I, man, this, this is my thing. This, this is the thing I do. This is my identity. And you see Jesus you will be like, oh, this is whack. I'm, anybody ever had that moment? When you was going through life and you thought you had it all figured out and then God showed you Jesus and everything else changed because you never meet Jesus and stay the same. When he opens your eyes, you are completely changed, not for a month, forever until he comes back to me. I can't unsee what I saw. I see him. I messed up. I I see him. I want to I want to worship him. I see him, I want to adore him, which is why I don't understand how believers come into the body of Christ and we're singing, come on in, come on in, come on in, and we're sitting there like this. I can't do it because when I see him, it messes me up. It makes me want to drop to my knees and worship Jesus. Anybody grateful that you saw Jesus? That you got a glimpse of his beauty? I'm telling you, everything is fleeting in comparison to Jesus. There's nothing in your life. And so, Father, that's, that's my hope. God, show me what I don't see. If I don't see Jesus, show me him. If I don't see this situation the way you see it, show me that. If, if I'm stuck in anxiety, show me why I'm stuck in anxiety. If I'm, if I'm stuck in a stronghold, show me why I'm stuck in a stronghold. Because God puts armies in the mountain. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Worship team, y'all come on up. I want to I want to pray but I, I really want to go back into that song one more time, Open the Eyes I want to go back into that song one more time before we, before we pray because that's my hope is that we will be a bunch of blood bought believers that go through life with deeper insight to our situations for those of you who don't know Jesus my hope is that you would, come on up my hope is that you would go through life seeing the beauty the majesty of jesus open our eyes that we may behold the beauty of our king and our great god let's sing a couple of lines of this and then open i'm going to pray the eyes of my heart, Lord. come on y'all open the eyes of my heart Lord. No, com- no communion yet. Not yet. Hold it a second. Come on, y'all. Let's open our mouths. I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you hide and lift up. I have you lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory, pour out your power and love. Holy, 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 see you high in the eyes, high in the Yes, Lord. can we stay right there we want to see you everybody we want to see you come on let's stay right there come on show us your beauty oh God come on show us your kindness oh God show us your mercy show us your love and show us your grace oh God us that that situation ain't gonna take us out but building a testimony. Show us that you got all power and all might in your hand. Show us that you were able to raise Jesus from the dead. Come on, open your mouth if you want to see him. There's somebody in this room that when I talked about the fear and the anxiety and I know we prayed for it but there's somebody that's looking at that situation from the wrong perspective and you can't shake it you can't get through it and it seems unbearable you haven't even told anybody about it because you're embarrassed today God wants you to be released from it so can you do me a favor can you come to this altar so we can pray If that's you, come to this altar so we can pray. We want to see Jesus. We want to see him, not the bigness of the situation. We want to see him in the power and the glory and the might that he has. Wait, wait, wait. There's another. There's another. There's another. There's somebody else that is in that second category. Where it's not the situation that you need to see, even though it may be big. What you need to see is Jesus. Which means you want salvation. Like I said before, once you see him, you can't unsee him. I'm telling you, it's called irresistible grace. Once you get a glimpse of his glory, it changes so much. And if that's you, get to this altar so we can pray. I see you coming. I see you coming. If that's you, if you like, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want my eyes to be open to the beauty of Jesus. Come down to this altar. Don't you put off what you can do today. Don't you put it off. Don't you put it off. Tomorrow is not promised. Don't you put it off. Life is too quick. Don't you put it off. Life is like a vapor. Don't you put it off. I'm telling you, people are dropping dead left and right. Don't you put it off. Today is the day, the day you hear my voice. Hallelujah. The day you hear my voice, I see you coming. I need y'all to see people coming down to this altar saying I wanna give my life to the Lord. This is revival. This is revival. This is revival. Come on, I need y'all praying. This is revival. God is opening up hearts right now. This is revival. God is opening up dead hearts. This is revival father i thank you i see you coming i thank you oh god for each and every person that is on this altar i thank you for every young lady i thank you for every young man i thank you for every spouse i thank you for every couple i thank you for every son i thank you for every daughter father we know that these people aren't just people but they represent situations and they represent hardship and they represent something that's painful And they represent something that that they don't want to even talk about. But Father, you have the ability to remove the situation. So God, would you show us your army in the mountains? Would you help us to get a glimpse of what it is that you're doing? Would you help us to see, oh God, that you have complete control? Would you help us, oh God, to see that that thing we're dealing with Yeah, it's heavy, but Father, you can break it in the mighty name of Jesus. Break free today. Be loose today. You've been holding on long enough. Be loose today. You've been struggling long enough. Let it go today. Give it over to God because he's all-powerful. Give it over to God because he's omnipotent. And Father, the one that says, I want to give my life to you, I want to see you in the splendor of your majesty. Father, I pray, oh God, that you wouldn't just save them, but you do like the scripture says, you save them to the utmost. That you save them, oh God, that they would be radical for you. That people, not just them, but there would be troves and troves and troves of people that come to your kingdom because they're in your kingdom. Father, I thank you for adding to your family. Father, I thank you for revival. Father, I thank you, oh God, for what you're doing. I thank you that salvation isn't just up to us, but I thank you, oh God, that you ransom hearts, that you renew our sight. Lord, I thank you, oh God, that you have this thing in control. And so Father, as we, as we go back from this altar, sometimes this moment can just be, it can be a false sense of security. But Father, I pray that this would be a long-lasting reality. I said, Father, I pray, oh God, that this would be a long-lasting reality, that, oh God, what, what you are doing, oh God, would birth something that is outliving them. I pray their grandchildren will be saved because they gave their life to you. I pray their sons and daughters would know you and walk with you, oh God, because they gave their life to you and because they now have a new sense of purpose, they have open eyes for your glory and for your honor it's in jesus name we pray somebody say amen can we thank god for those that came to their seed?